Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, September the 13th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we begin to talk about the Jets and how to attack that defense, particularly in the running game. We get you caught up on the two rivals' injury reports, including a scare at left guard for Miami, and listen into some audio from Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill's media availability. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give me a follow on Twitter at Winkville NFL, the show at Locked On Fins, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the wildly popular blog content from Locked On Dolphins. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have a lot to get to from the Mad Dog, so he's going to take it away for us. All right, Miami! And the Mad Dog is back, and that usually is not great news on the injury front. And the Dolphins announced something of a scare on Wednesday. Josh Sitton is listed on the injury report with a shoulder issue. He did not practice on Wednesday, and the Dolphins have yet to disclose the severity of that injury. And personally, and this is 100% speculation, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. He finished the entire game. I never really saw him favoring a shoulder or any particular body part in that game. I think you list him on the injury report. He's a veteran. He knows how to get his body ready. He'll be out there for Sunday, in my opinion. But Gaze would not disclose the severity of that injury, which kind of has Dolphins Twitter in a bit of a frenzy right now. We'll find out today on Thursday. And I think if he's not out there on Thursday or Friday, that's when you begin to worry that he might actually miss a very big game for the Dolphins. We also learned that Danny Amendola will get Wednesdays off all year. He did not practice yesterday as the running game gets installed on Wednesdays. And Frank Gore will get Thursdays off in the passing game install. Those veterans have earned those days off and they will get those all throughout the season. Also, Devontae Parker was out there on Wednesday catching passes. He had his hand all taped up, but he was out there catching the football. He remains questionable and a day-to-day prospect at this point. And lastly, John Denny is ready to go. His 4,000 consecutive game started streak, that is satire of course, appears to be intact. But as a backup plan, Miami brought back long snapper Lucas Gravel, 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 I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but the long snapper is back on the practice squad and to make room for him, they cut defensive end Cameron Malveaux, which I know is going to upset a lot of Dolphins fans. But once again, are we really going to get up in arms over the practice squad? I guess we probably will. But that's it for the news on the injuries. Let's go ahead and kick this podcast off. That's another Miami Dolphins. And as has been mentioned, the Dolphins were back to work yesterday as they begin to prepare for the Jets. And that means we have media availability from Adam Gaze and Ryan Tannehill. They both spoke at length. Let's go ahead and check in on what coach had to say. Adam, one of the Jets players last night said that they were fully aware of all the line signals on offense. Um, is that something that probably concerns you knowing that you guys played them twice a year? Yeah. Gotta love snarky gaze. Just basically shut that answer down with a no. They moved on to the next question after that. Talking about the Jets and the way they were privy to the Lions' signals on offense and how it allowed them to play fast and ahead of the Lions on defense and, of course, pick off Matthew Stafford four times. So Adam Gaze, clearly not Jim Bob Cooter. He knows he has to change signals up. And Ryan Tannehill spoke about that later on, too, at his availability. So the Dolphins not worried about the Jets and their ability to be well-coached and know what the other team is doing on offense. 
And then next, we had a very snarky gaze comment talking about Albert Wilson's usage on this offense as well. Um, how enthusiastic is he that you know he's going to be using so many different ways? Oh, he's excited. You know, it's almost like we had a plan for him all this time. You know, so. And that was how the press availability ended as he kind of crapped on the Dolphins beat writers for asking questions that he did not like very much. Basically showing you that he did hold things back in the preseason when people were, when they really were unwarranted for their concerns over the preseason game plan. So he shuts that down and basically telling us that Albert Wilson has a plan in this offense and that plan will probably continue to evolve from week one. And then moving on to Ryan Tannehill's press availability, they asked him the same question they asked Adam Gaze about the Jets' signals, and Tannehill, being the nice guy that he is, was a little bit more profound in his answer. We have to be clean in our communication, uh, whether that's changing the signals, uh, making sure we're clean uh, with our signals, huddle. You know, There's going to be all types of different um, ways that we battle that. But yeah, it comes down to us and, and the way we communicate and doing it in a way where um, you know, we feel good about, about where we're at. He also spoke at length about the Dolphins on that Monday film review and how they had to get back into the building because while they won the game and they had success and they were happy to have the two days off that usually comes with a victory on Monday, we've heard the story from Peter King by now. Ryan Tannehill went around and requested that the offensive players all come back in, go over the film, and just get that stuff into their brain and digest it because once you get back on Wednesday, it's on to the next opponent and you don't have that film to digest and go over. So he wanted to make sure they came back and cleaned up those mistakes because he felt like they left some points on the field. And I think we all agree with that. And it just speaks to this certain expectation the offense now has. And I really appreciate it because I have the same expectation. And you take away the Gasicki INT, obviously. You go to Jakeem Grant on that stick slash deep concept where Ryan Tannehill threw a second interception. Those were points they could have had if they had just made the right reads and got on the same page and made better plays and execution. And I think we'll see that going forward. But it's good to see that they are not going to rest on their laurels. And I know most teams would do the same thing, but it just there's a different air of confidence and a different air of of the, the expectations this team has for itself, especially on offense. Tannehill mentioned how he has a group full of guys that are very hungry to be great on this offense, and that's just a great recipe for success, especially when you compare it to what Adam Gaze is as a competitor. And there's actually a funny story from an Ian Rappaport podcast that went out, I think it was on Wednesday or Tuesday, where Adam Gaze talked about when Nick Saban had to suspend him from their pickup basketball league for a week because he was playing too competitive and wouldn't let anybody have any fun. So you take that personality where he is uber competitive, ultra competitive, and you put a bunch of guys in the room that are the same way and want to play their careers that way. It just makes for a good chemistry and a good team culture around the building and that's something we talked about all offseason long you can poo poo it all you want but it's real it's there and it sounds like it's having a positive impact impact just one week into the season so you love that confidence from the offense and next we're going to tell you about how the running game might be here to stay in miami but first a word from my bookie And you guys have heard me talk all summer long about making predictions for this team and what's going to happen going into the season. And my number one piece of advice for those that like to put their money where their mouth is, is to visit mybookie.ag today. You can lay down some cash and win big right now. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to mybookie where you win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most 
most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when you use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim that bonus. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. So we roll on into the second segment here, the B block of the podcast, talking about the New York Jets a little bit as we begin to preview that game on Sunday. And all of a sudden, super important game for both of these teams because you have the New England Patriots playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if the Jags can pick them off in that game, the winner of this game is going to be all alone in first place in the AFC East. So a big momentum swinging game early in the season. The Jets are coming off of that victory over the Detroit Lions, feeling very good about themselves. I feel good about this team. I will admit I'm a little bit less confident in this team going into this game than I was week one. I was very confident about beating the Titans. That happened. We're good to go. But one thing that gave me more confidence ahead of this Jets game is the Dolphins' ability to run the football out of a variety of packages. And, you know, I talked all summer long about the departures of certain guys and how it wasn't that big of a deal. And one of the reasons I doubled down on that statement when it comes to Jarvis Landry and Mike Pouncey, Jay Ajayi, was the fact that these guys coming in brought in a new offensive scheme that better fit it, better fit what Adam Gaze wanted to do, as well as new running game coordinator Eric Stettisville, and he has already made an impact one game into the season. You go back to 2017, and I have a piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com, one of my favorite personal pieces I've ever written, so please check that out. It's all about the Dolphins' new running scheme in Miami and how things have changed from last year with Jay Ajayi, where there was no variety or versatility. It was all outside zone, inside zone, which allowed the opposing defenses, and the New York Jets in particular, to get their keys early and start working downhill towards the mesh point where that handoff occurs, whether it's off the outside hip of the guard for inside zone or off the outside hip of the tackle for outside zone. And because of that, they don't have to worry about dig out blocks or peel back blocks or a variety of running formations you can do to get them off of those keys and get them in a little bit of quicksand and cause them to take false steps, which allows you that fraction of a second to get out in front as an offensive lineman and turn a guy or seal a guy or just downright get downhill and block a guy out of the play. And the Dolphins did that all day on Sunday with a variety of different running looks against different types of fronts the defense showed. And you go back to that 2017 game, Jay Ajayi had 11 carries for 16 yards. The Jets were all over it, using Jamal Adams down in the box. And that'll be the case again on Sunday. But what the Dolphins can do differently is use deception and this athletic offensive line to create running game out of the scheme rather than just asking a running back to create a bunch of yards after contact, as we saw with Ajayi in 2016, 2017, and then Kenyon Drake as well in 2017. But you go to this Tennessee Titans game, and the middle linebackers of the Titans defense were constantly taking false steps. And a false step is when you aren't taking a step in the right direction towards your key or towards your run fit. And in those outside zone schemes, inside zone schemes, it's all about reading the guards. Sometimes you read the football, but in the zone scheme, you can read the guard because everyone's first step is in the same direction, which kind of tips off the play as to what it's going to be. And sure, you're still susceptible to bootleg, naked bootleg and play action off of that. But as far as the running game goes, there's no creativity or no second guessing. So they can pull that trigger and play a lot faster than they have to when you use deception and misdirection and traps and split zone. And the Dolphins went with all of that stuff on Sunday and it worked perfectly. 
You can go back and check out any of those plays where they ran misdirection or counter tray or the split zone play. And that split zone, what you do is you have a tight end come back across the formation and he digs out the backside block, which that in itself shows you a different look to where the linebackers are saying, why is that tight end coming across the formation? Is this power? Because on power running plays, you're going to have a pulling guard or a pulling center or even a pulling tackle that comes across the formation and hits a block in the gap. And that's all man blocking scheme from there. So the Dolphins have this variety of looks and the most interesting play to me was when they motioned Albert Wilson into the backfield and faked a toss sweep to him and went inside counter to Frank Gore who was playing an up fullback role and they pulled out the center and the tackle Daniel Kilgore and Juwan James to the strong side of the formation and created a big running lane for him to pick up like seven or eight yards I think it was and he didn't really even get touched until the five six seven yard mark before he got brought down so that's how the Dolphins can scheme yardage into the running game and that's why on Sunday when I tweeted out that this team is not built to run power at anybody because they failed on two consecutive third and one conversion plays they're just not built to run that way because they don't have the bodies to do it Dan Kilgore Josh Sitton Jesse Davis these guys aren't going to line up head up and knock somebody off the football and move the line of scrimmage to pick up first downs they're going to have to scheme these things into the running game and create yardage that way and then from there you have a pair of explosive runners or I wouldn't call Frank Gore explosive but we know what Kenyon Drake can do and you create a little seam for him. He can explode through it and take it to the house. And then you couple Frank Gore's vision as a kind of secondary role to that with what he can do. And also what Adam Gaze talked about all off season with his ability to get skinny and find those creases in the offensive line to get yardage out of that. You put those two together. Those are going to be effective backs. You can use them on the field at the same time in that fullback running back role, the swing pattern to Kenyon Drake with the inside dive to Frank Gore, Albert Wilson motioning in going jet motion to kind of get the defense off of their mark. Everything they do in the running game, it's like Adam Gaze's passing game down in the red zone where he creates opportunities for guys to score, i.e. Jarvis Landry's nine touchdown catches, a career anomaly for him. He can do those same things in the running game now, and we saw that on Sunday. We saw it with Eric Stutisville, the new running game coordinator. We saw it with this offensive line that really executed a lot of those blocks very, very well, and this running game was cooking. If they can do that against the Jets, keep that linebacking crew off balance, it's going to be a long day for the Jet defense. All right, we have more to come previewing that Jets game on tomorrow's podcast. But coming up next, we have more to get to, including the injury report for the Jets and Dolphins on Wednesday. And also our third question for the Locked On Dolphins t-shirt giveaway at the MetLife Takeover. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Rolling into the third and final segment on this Thursday, September the 13th podcast. And if you guys want to check out more on that running game breakdown we just talked about in the last segment, check out LockedOnDolphins.com for that piece. I have a couple of videos on there with in-depth breakdowns talking about those running game concepts if you guys want to learn more about that. But real quick, before we get out of here for the day, let's go ahead and talk about the Wednesday injury report. We went over the Dolphins practice report already. You know that Danny Amendola and Josh Sitton did not practice. Full practice participants on the injury report were William Hayes, Jawan James, and Laramie Tunzel. They're all good to go, it sounds like. Limited participants were Devontae Parker, like we talked about, as well as John Denny. You take it over to the Jets report, and that list is just packed full of names, although most of those guys were full practices. Those names include Jermaine Curse, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Steve McClendon, Brian Winters, 
Kelvin Beecham, Spencer Long, Quincy Anunwa, and Terrell Pryor all on the injury report, but full practices on Wednesday. As far as players that did not practice on that injury report, Neville Hewitt, our former linebacker for the Dolphins, he has a knee injury. He did not practice on Wednesday. Marcus May, last year's second round draft pick, he has a foot injury, did not practice. And Josh Martin, the linebacker, has a concussion problem. He also did not practice. So it sounds like going into this game, and we'll see, wait to see what happens with Josh Sitton, that the Dolphins, once again, are the healthier team. But all things told, both of these teams seem very, very healthy heading into this Week 2 game, which, to me, serves as something of a springboard for the rest of the season. We all know that the Week 3 game against the Oakland Raiders really tips in favor of the Miami Dolphins. You have the West Coast team coming east for that early 10 o'clock window on their body clock, as far as that's concerned. Derek Carr is struggling. That defense is in shambles without Khalil Mack. Seems like a game the Dolphins should be heavily favored in. If they can come into MetLife and get this win on Sunday, go to 2-0 and really assert themselves as a team that is no longer thought to be a joke as they have been all offseason long, that would just be huge for their confidence. It'd be huge to get them rolling and give them an opportunity to go into Foxborough at 3-0. I just can't imagine how great that'll be, how great that will feel for Dolphins fans and for this team that has been told all year long that they're just not any good. But it's not going to be an easy out. I'll be the first to admit that I'm a lot more confident in that first game against a tight than I am in this game with the Jets. And the home opener for the Jets is always going to be raucous. We know there's going to be a good group of Dolphins fans, but that goes the same for the Jets. It'll be more Jets fans, and they're going to be loud. It's going to be tough for Tannehill and the offense to get their communication down, like he mentioned off the top of the podcast. But the one thing that I do love about this contest is the Vegas line has tilted heavily Anytime you get heavy public perception on one side of the line on Vegas, it tends to go in favor of the other team. And that was the case for three big-time games. On Sunday, you had the Raiders and Rams was heavily tilted in favor of the Rams, and the public was heavily on the Rams. That one did not go as well. However, the Steelers and Browns game, that was the same case, heavily favored towards the Steelers. The Browns covered that one with ease. And the same case for the Chargers and Chiefs. Everybody confident on that L.A. bandwagon, while the Chiefs' defense was supposed to be a disaster, and that game went the other direction. So typically, games tend to favor the team that is on the opposite side of where the public betting line heavily flows in, and you probably head into the game with an overconfident Jets team really feeling themselves coming off of that big win. I'd rather face this team coming off of a big win like that than a close loss where they're motivated and their backs are against the wall and they have to win. So now they're going to be hearing all this praise. You hear all the praise on Sam Darnold. He is bound to have peaks and valleys this year. I think this Dolphins defense will be suited to go ahead and make that happen for Darnold where he comes back down to earth like that first throw he had in that Lions game. So we're going to talk a lot more about that game on tomorrow's podcast, guys. But for now, we have to talk about the question of the day for the Locked On Dolphins t-shirt contest. Once again, get all the answers this week from the podcast. Started on Tuesday. We'll do it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Four questions. Answer all of those when you find our man Jason Harina in his Locked On Dolphins t-shirt at the MetLife Takeover Tailgate for your chance to win a free t-shirt from Locked On Dolphins. And the question for today is... Which building did Dan Marino win his final football game in? And we all know how his career ended, but where did he notch the final victory of his illustrious career? Answer that question to Jason Harina. You might get a chance to win a free Locked On Dolphins t-shirt. As we are now just three days away from the Jets game, always a big one for Dolphins fans. 
And it is Thursday, which means the return of Thursday Night Football, Bengals and Ravens tonight. Enjoy that game and keep an eye on the Bengals as the Dolphins play them in a few weeks from now. But as for the podcast and today, that is my time. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow for a Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. In the understood, I know. Can it be that I hear what he's saying? Is there a reason why I'm still awake? He says, I've got you. Look.